This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And folks, you know, we plan this show. I'm also the producer, and so sometimes I have an idea of what our show will be. Sometimes Coach has an idea of what our show will be, and we, you know, we it goes back and forth. This is a coach planned show he says let's talk about drivability and i said great what in the world is drivability so cue coach well i think a whole bunch of people would think that drivability is the way that you drive the car as an individual that is really not drivability drivability is the way that the car drives itself how the engine is running in response to the accelerator uh, or the gas pedal. That is what drivability is. And you can really, there's a whole bunch of things that you can learn by the way that that vehicle operates, not how the driver operates, but how the vehicle operates. So whether you hear the engine running or how it vibrates or, and this could be either good, bad, it's, it's just a fact of at this point in time, this is how it's driving. Yes. Uh, if you think about getting a vehicle right off the factory showroom floor, it's going to run like a sewing machine. Now, as it starts getting age on it, maybe you feel that it doesn't take off as quick when you got the accelerator on, or maybe it stumbles a little bit. And that means that it's taking it off and then it's missing a little bit. So there's different things that you can feel in the accelerator as you drive that vehicle. So just like when you are going to the doctor, you have to know how your body is, how your body works, so that if something's wrong, then then you know it. Yes. Uh, it's just like you're the one that drives the vehicle. And I think a lot of people get confused. They take their vehicle into a mechanic shop and they tell them say well this is what's wrong with my vehicle you should never ever tell the mechanic what's wrong with your vehicle because they're going to fix what you tell them no matter what it is they're going to fix it and then they're going to you're going to come back you're going to get your car and they're going to say what you're going to tell them it's doing the exact same thing well you didn't tell them to check the vehicle out you told them to do this so you never tell a mechanic to do what you want done to the car. Okay, so what do you tell the mechanic? <laughs> well, what you're going to tell the technician is to check your car out, mm-hmm. that it's making a certain noise mm-hmm. or that you feel a vibration or you feel the engine shaking. Okay, mm-hmm. you didn't tell them what was wrong with the vehicle. You told them the symptoms of the vehicle. So, like Liz was saying, you don't walk into the doctor and say, hey, doc, I have... Um, you meningitis know. right <laughs> or i have the flu or you know i hate to say or i have covid they're say okay let me test for that you tell them the symptoms uh, my runny nose um, my head is hurting things like that then they do certain tests to see what it is laryngitis uh flu tonsillitis things like that that is the same thing you need to do to a car when you go in there and have it service if you have anything done that's what you need to do. You don't need to tell them what to do to the car unless it's just a routine service. Oh, see, I just messed up. I got an appointment to take the car in Friday because somebody else told me 
my steering column coupling was bad. I shouldn't have told the repair shop where I'm taking it that. I should have just said, well, I'm turning it kind of goes clunk, clunk, clunk. That's right, because oh. now what they're going to do, they're going to go in there, and that steering column coupling is where your steering column goes into the gearbox or the rack and pinion, and it is, it's like a U-joint with bearings on it, and now they'll go in there and check that and probably replace that. Oh, oh. So a lot of times you get yourself, uh, a customer or a consumer gets herself in trouble by telling what, it, what they think needs to be done. You know, and I always told my students when I was teaching, don't ever deny the customer to tell you what's wrong with the vehicle, but make sure that you ask them, do you want me to check it out before I replace this part? Because otherwise, you know, you're putting blinders on the mechanic. If and, and there are some people, I'm making a little finger with my finger, there are some people who I want you to do what I say I want you to do, or some people who feel like they are know it all but can't do it all so they will say i want you to do a b x and y and if that's exactly what they're paying the mechanic to do that may not be what it needs to do because based on the how it feels or how what it actually is right i give you a good example uh, last week a um, lady calls me on the phone and she says could you do a tune-up on my vehicle I said, sure. I said, what's it doing? She says, well, it, uh, RPMs are going up when the uh, engine takes off, and I'm really not going anywhere. And I told her, I said, well, that's probably not a tune-up problem. I said, that's probably a transmission problem. I said, but if you want me to, I will put some new plugs in it for you and see if that helps solve the problem. But most likely, it's going to be a transmission problem. So I brought it in, put spark plugs in it for her, and when it was all over, I still told her it was a transmission problem. So she paid for a tune-up that she really didn't need. Right. Did her spark plugs need to be changed? They did need to be changed because okay. there was a couple of them that were fouled out. But So they did need to be changed, but she ended up trading the vehicle off the next day. Now, <laughs> you, now you mentioned missing earlier. Missing. Let's talk to the layman's person. And what I know a lot of people know what that means, but just somebody listening doesn't know what missing means. When your car is Air quotes here. Missing. What does that mean? Say if I got a four-cylinder engine. Okay, that means I got four spark plugs, four pistons in there. Okay, they all need to be working at the same time. And what happens is that one of those cylinders is dead. It's not contributing to the power whatsoever. And that's what they call a miss. It could be a fuel problem or injector it could be a spark plug it could be a coil it could be air too much air getting in that cylinder or not enough fuel getting in that cylinder so there's many things that would make that cylinder not ignite that fuel and what ignites that fuel is that coil and that spark plug so what does the car feel like when a car misses it starts shaking the engine will uh, shake shake okay okay and you'll feel that in the acceleration it may it may stumble and that means that it's going to start going and then it just loses power mm. it may hesitate from the get-go when you push on the accelerator it don't really go and then it picks up mm. okay so there's a lot of different things when you talk about drivability on a vehicle those are things that you need to be looking for as a consumer because you know, I'm not going to say there's a shady 
technicians out there, but like you said earlier, there are some people that are just going to do exactly what you tell them, and that is it. You want to hear a funny story, Liz and Coach, about drivability? You say you bought a new car. So I bought a new car, quote-unquote new, new to me. Right. From an 09 to an 18, that's new. Same car. I'm at the gas station, and it says, cut the car off. I'm putting gas in the car for the first time. I thought I cut the car off because it was so quiet. I never cut the car off. I was at the pump trying to open my tank, you know, the, uh, and it wouldn't open. It wouldn't come open. And I'm um, embarrassed, number one, because, you know, still have the new tag on it from then. I'm like, everybody's looking. She just got the car. She doesn't know how to put gas. You know, she can't open the tank. I was so embarrassed. It was hot. So I sat in the car. I was sweating. I was so frustrated and embarrassed, and I sat there, and I'm like, what am I doing? I got the manual out, like you said, and I'm looking. I'm like, I did that. It says, make sure the car is off. I'm like, the car is off. I don't hear it. Then I realized the car is not off. The car was running so quietly, so smoothly. I didn't even realize the car was still on. Well, the thing is, That's once, hilarious. once people start getting into learning how their car operates. I think that's the thing is you are the one that senses is something's wrong. And, and there's so many people that just keep driving and driving and driving until it falls apart. <laughs> you need to know when something's wrong with your car and you need to take it in to get it serviced. If you've got a question for coach, send us your emails. Our address is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about drivability today. Is your car under recall? We've got a list of ones that are. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. I'm Liz Gill. If you want even more auto- 
autocorrect. We hope that you'll find our podcast on all podcasting platforms for your smart devices. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. Here's some recent recalls. Uh, Coach and Michelle, uh, Mercedes-Benz are recalling some cars, SUVs, due to software affecting backup camera displays. Toyota and Lexus vehicles are being recalled for a software uh, eroding its vehicle's stability control system. So you can find out if your particular make and model car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, NHTSA, N-H-T-S-A dot gov slash recall, and put in your VIN, or you can just find their Safer Car app. We're talking about drivability today. We're also taking your vehicle repair questions, uh, and our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. Kevin has called in from Oxford. Kevin, what's up with you? We're glad you're going to be part of our show. What you got for Coach? All right. I got a 92 Toyota 4Runner. Uh, it's got a six-cylinder engine. And I've got an intermittent problem with it. Uh, sometimes it'll run smooth, and then sometimes you approach it, and it won't even crank. And it'll be start missing and smoking and running really rough, and then a little bit later it'll smooth back out. I've had it into a few mechanics, and uh, no one can seem to pinpoint what's wrong with it. What kind of smoke does it put out? What color is it? We'll say it's kind of a... A darker, not like super gray, might be like a darker black smoke. Okay, so that that sort of leads me in a direction that does it usually, and I call it loading up, and what it does, that means it's dumping fuel into the cylinders, more fuel than it can burn, and that's what it sounds like to me, that we have a fuel problem that is dumping excess fuel, because we have three types of smokes that we have in cars. White is water blue is oil and black is fuel so if you go if you know those three smokes and you that sort of leads you in the direction that you need to go due to what smokes are being put out what i would do on this one is have the fuel pressure checked you could uh, go to a technician they can put a uh, fuel pressure tester on the fuel system and see how much pressure is going into those cylinders especially being a 92 Uh yeah, I already had that done. Uh, the last time I went in, they checked all the electrical stuff, and they said all oh, that was good. He put a fuel p- a pressure gauge on the fuel rail, and he said it was about half of what it should be. Okay, so if it's about half what it should be, that means that you have a fuel problem. Most likely, you're going to need a fuel pump in that vehicle because that's you have the fuel pump coming up to the rail up there where the fuel is, goes into the engine and you should have a fuel regulator on that rail so coming from the fuel pump you'll have a certain amount of pressure and then on the other side of the regulator you'll have a certain amount of pressure would it running and would it not running that's what i would have checked okay 
So that fuel pump's in the tank. I have, you have to drop the tank for that. Uh, yes, uh, sir. You'd have to drop the tank on that one. And if it's, it could be a module type fuel pump that has the filter and all combined. You know, and like I say, you may have a fuel filter on the rail or up there in the engine compartment. So you might want to look for a fuel filter and, and see if they've changed that because sometimes that will change that fuel pressure. Okay, well, I changed the fuel filter about a year ago, and it's a big canister filter that's in the middle of the car. Right. Okay, I would. Did it start? Did it help the vehicle after that, or? No, nah, it didn't help it. One of the other symptoms I wanted to mention is that that this car, when you approach it to crank it, if it's going to crank, it'll crank in one second. But sometimes you get there and you won't crank at all, and you just try and try and try. And it's just weird that it happens sometimes and not others. Well, you know, on those, on certain vehicles, that fuel, what happens, that fuel runs out of the lines and goes back down into the fuel tank itself. That could be a bypass uh, fuel line uh, system on that, uh, fuel system on that vehicle. Okay. Well, it sounds like I need to have the uh, fuel pump looked into more. That's what it sounds like to me. Now, my vehicle also, the fuel gauge is not working, and I think it has a uh, sending unit uh, connected to the pump. Right. Yeah, that one does have a sending unit, it, so that must be a module-type uh, fuel pump. Would you just replace all of that at once? Uh, it all replaces at one time. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your help. You're so welcome. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow, Kevin, he's keeping that 92 Toyota 4Runner. He's, he's not giving up on that one. Well, Kevin, I just saw a 93 Toyota 4Runner. It was $12,500 for a 93. $12,000? For a 93. Okay. Okay, that goes back to is my it, question. I'm I trying mean, is to that buy just it. like a, a really good type of car, or it just, I mean, Toyotas then never went bad, or well, they don't one, make them that like that anymore? This one here had 144,000 miles on it. He started at 15,005, and he went to 12.5, and he sold it at 12.5. And the reason is, you know, it, it looked real nice. You know, I checked it out. It was real nice looking. Uh, everything's been redone on it. And so when you start oh. getting into these vehicles like that, and they all been redone and not a lot of abuse. They're worth what they can get for them. Uh-oh, Jay. Uh, I was going to say, try to search any mid to late 1980s model Toyota pickup truck. You can't find them. And regardless of how many hundreds of thousands of miles on it, they start at like 15. Yes. Why? But if they're like, well, I mean, those things, number one, if, if, if you do your routine maintenance, the trucks will run forever. That's right. They don't stop. As long as you do the upkeep. And then the other thing is, that, I mean, those trucks are so light, they get really good gas mileage. So so that's what I need to buy my daughter for graduation. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> she would die. But look, too, it was like an 85 Toyota pickup was my first vehicle that my dad bought for me. I wish I still had it. It's like my favorite type of car now. But that one, I, I beat that thing to death learning how to drive. I mean, I was driving it with a license the day I turned 15, which is mm. a terrifying thought. Uh, yes. But but that's, I mean, it, it's another thing. I mean, nowadays people restore them. And, you know, they're really good-looking pickup trucks. But, like, back in the day, it was just something you could literally just run into the ground, and it would just keep going You could abuse them, and they just keep going. And Lord knows I did mine. So my my poor dad, man, that was just like—and he knew it, too. He was just like, all right, this is— 
throwing money into the fire right here. Wow. <laughs> speaking of drivability, I'm glad we're talking about this today. Um, speaking of, I need to get my daughter a car for graduation because when she graduates, she needs to be able to go and I can breathe and she can, you know, she has her license now. So, coach, drivability, she'll be 19 in October. So, any thoughts and or I know you talked about how high the used cars are now. Well, I want to go back and talk about Liz when she was talking about the recalls on vehicles. The only recall she talked about was the computer software. Computer software is part of the drivability of the vehicle. It controls the fuel. It controls the ignition system. It controls everything in that vehicle. And just like you're saying, if you think about it, you got an older computer in a, uh, at home, these new vehicles need to be reflashed. The computer needs to be reprogrammed because of the drivability. All right. Let's go to Tupelo and talk with Terry. Terry, we're so glad you called in. What's up with you today? Good morning, guys. I have to give a, another uh, shout-out to Toyota. I have a company car that is a Toyota Prius, the regular kind of four-door model. And uh, it's a 2014. I have 217,000 miles on it, and I've never done anything but change the oil. It's just amazing. I, I would take this car to California tomorrow if I needed to. Well, just wanted to give a shout out. I tell you, I got a Toyota right now that got three hundred sixty-eight thousand miles on it, and I drive it every day to work. Well, you, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you just have that feeling of security in a Toyota. I, I don't know what it is different about other cars, but I always feel extremely uh, satisfied when I have Toyotas. And I've got Toyotas as my personal vehicles, too. I can tell you what happened there is that uh, we had the big three manufacturers. Okay, they were making the muscle cars, and they were making all the bigger cars. And then we had the oil embargo. They had to reduce the size of those vehicles, and their quality was just not there. Okay, Toyota still had the quality, and so what happened is that the American car makers and manufacturers had to revamp, redo a lot of R&D in order to get back up to the quality that the uh, foreign manufacturers have. And so now, if you notice, a lot of those vehicles today, even if they're manufactured in America— they're getting up in that same type of quality as Toyota. Because if you think about a lot of the foreign cars that we have in America now are assembled in America. They're not built in America. They are assembled. Anything really. Well, number one, I can't afford not Toyota. And number two, uh, I can't afford not a German car. But I got a funny story to tell you before I get off. My father-in-law, who's 82, he had a Toyota Camry, and he, I go over to his house one day, and he's got a E-Class Mercedes in the driveway, and the Camry's gone. And I said, what in the world? I said, this Camry was going to last you until, you know, you don't really drive it much. It was going to last you for a while. Why did you get rid of that Toyota? And he said, I did it for the ladies. <laughs> well, that may be one of those things. That's true. You know, I was thinking about that. You know, uh, you buy cars to fit your personality. That's what that is. <laughs> well, he, ha- he definitely had an A-type personality, so. Oh, that's good. <laughs> okay. Appreciate you. Appreciate your comment. Thank you. 
Thanks, Terry. We love that story. So we're talking about drivability. You need to know how your car drives. You need to pay attention pay it so that when something goes wrong, it doesn't. Uh, talk about how you pay attention to um, uh, it pulling, like if your car pulls one way or the other. Well, pulling is really not part of a drivability. Uh, that is either something wrong with the suspension or something wrong with the tires. When we talk about drivability, that is the way that the engine and the transmission move that vehicle forward. Okay. But as you can find all different things to make that vehicle pull as well, it could be a tie rod end, could be a shock or a strut. There's many things that can make that vehicle pull left to right. Again, could it be with the braking system? You know, so when you start talking about drivability in vehicles, you know, um, Jeep, uh, I was talking about computers again on it because Jeep had the computer hacked on their vehicles. Okay. So when they had their computers hacked, the vehicle would start driving. It was uh, the computer took control of it and whoever was hacked in that computer was making that vehicle drive off the road. Yikes. Once again, We've have to have the the computers themselves are so. I think we got to find ways, and the manufacturer have found ways to keep people from coming in the back door of those computers in order to hack those. Because just think, if somebody is controlling that computer, well, they got your life in their hands because they're controlling the vehicle now. And so we we see that all the time now. And just like you were talking about those software, that is what it is. It's just software that is written into those computers to make that vehicle run. And, you know, and they run off those sensors. They run off all those different uh, parameters. I always talk about a parameter. A parameter is something that you can go so far one way and so far the other. You're in the middle of it. And that parameter, you have to stay within that parameter for that vehicle to run efficient. If you get outside that uh, parameter, that check engine light comes on, now you have a problem. Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about drivability between your car repair questions. What's in the news? Michelle, you are going to be so excited when I tell you this new news. I'm going to, we're going to tell you this next. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Correct on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired from Clinton High School's automotive technology program, is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. I hope that you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. I love listening to MPB shows. We've got NPR shows on there. And, hey, there is a support button where you can make a contribution to help support Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. and a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. 
So in the news, Michelle, this is what you're going to be liking to hear. Honda and Acura have expanded their certified pre-owned program to cars as old as 10 years. The older cars won't be labeled as certified pre-owned Hondas or Acuras. They're going to be called Honda True Used and Acura Precision Used. The goal for both programs is to attract younger, first-time buyers who might otherwise be able to afford a new or CPO vehicle from either brand, but want to own a car with a reputation for quality and durability. What do you think about that, Coach? Well, first of all, you got to think about what certified means. Okay, certified means that a used car is brought into whatever manufacturer and they go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Okay, now if it's 10 years old, if it's 5 years old, if they certify that vehicle, it will have a better warranty on it than the new car. It will, uh, matter of fact, uh, we bought one. The warranty was five years on the car, and the new car warranty was only three or four years. So those are good cars. Those are reliable cars. And if you can get a certified, a lot of times they are low mileage, uh, less than 20,000 miles on them, and you'll have a better warranty, and they will last, no matter if it's Honda, Mercedes, or who. Ah, So there you go. Something to think about, folks. We're talking about drivability. Email your questions to us, auto at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Alabama. We love our Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Tennessee listeners. This is Wayne who's called in today. Wayne, what you got for Coach today? Okay, I've got a, a 2000 Buick LeSabre with a 3.82-liter engine. Series 2. I've been told that I've got a bad engine cradle absorbers. I guess that's some sort of a shock absorber. And uh, I'd have to be pull the engine in order to fix the absorbers or replace the absorbers on the engine cradle. I need some information from Coach if that is correct and if uh, if he has any idea how much it might cost me to pull the engine and set it back in there. Well, I don't think you really have to pull the engine on it because what it is, the cradle has, they're called bushings, not absorbers. They're called bushings, and what it does, it sets on bushings. Their boats go through them, and those bushings wear, and that means now the engine cradle itself can move left to right or front to rear. Okay, now the engine itself are set on motor mounts. Okay, and is this front wheel drive vehicle right? Or is this real wheel drive vehicle? Okay, so that yeah, so that's a front wheel drive vehicle. That means that you have maybe two or three motor mounts on the engine and two on the transaxle. Okay, all those set down on that cradle. Okay, where the engine is sitting. Now that cradle can be removed. Uh, without removing the engine. Now, you would have to hold the engine up. Now, they do make tools uh, that you can support the engine while you're working on the lower half of that. Now, now if all of your bushings are bad or, or your motor mounts are bad, usually the motor mounts go bad, not the uh, cradle itself, unless it's war. But uh, I would check the motor mounts, and those can be... Uh, Replaced without removing the engine, they'll just jack the engine up, get it up high enough to remove the motor mount, and put the and move it back down. 
I've changed the, the motor mount one time since I've had this car, and I've got 457,325 miles on it. And I was wondering about that, and I changed it about 200,000 miles. I changed those motor mounts in it. And you're absolutely correct. When I, I thought initially that it was brakes, and uh, because it was pulling to the left or right when I, uh, when I braked, and uh, then I put it on the rack, and uh, the guy tells me that he, it's the engine cradle absorbers. I, 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 now he may have set bearings, and you know it's been a while since I did this, but uh, he said. The issue would be, the engine cradle don't cost very much, but the issue would be the labor. So I was wondering about the labor on it. That, well, the labor, in order, to, in order to take that whole cradle down, you know, it's, it's going to be an extensive job, but you don't have to remove the engine from the vehicle. All you're going to do is they make engine cradles that will support that engine in the air, in the car, where you can take that cradle out. Now you got to understand all the different parts that connect to that cradle, and that is the reason why it's costing so much to take it out. You got to remove those parts that are supporting that cradle as well. Okay, now you have no idea what that would cost. I don't. Know. Uh, no, sir. It, you know, it's probably going to be several hours. So I would say probably a eight to ten hour job when it's all finished, and it's according to how much they charge an hour. You know, so you could be looking eight to a thousand dollars. Yeah, I I hate to give this car up. I drive it every week from uh, up in Nashville, Tennessee, down to Gatlin, Mississippi, or Amory, Mississippi, and that's why I've got so many miles on it. But I service this car religiously. I bought it new in Florida when I lived there, and I and I've serviced it, and it's such a good car. I've got a new Chevrolet sitting in my garage but I'll tell you what I'd much rather drive this Buick. Well I was thinking about trying to save it. Yeah I was thinking about uh, that Toyota that I said I had 368,000 but you got 457,000 on the Chevrolet. It's just the way that they make the cars. Sometimes you get a lemon and sometimes you get a gym. <laughs> yeah I do and uh, it's not a Chevrolet it's a Buick and uh, that for example, is a good ride, I think. Yeah, when I say Chevrolet, uh, okay. I'm just talking about General Motors itself. You know. Yeah, really. So uh, I appreciate the info. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Wayne. Let's do an email real quick. Um, this one is, a, I have a 2015 Nissan Sentra SE. It's in good condition. It's been kept up to date with maintenance. Has about 130,000 miles and was bought new for a daughter during college. It's been driven from Mississippi to Las Vegas to Los Angeles and back to Mississippi. To me, it must be in some type of quality condition. It's a four cylinder with a CVT transmission. Recently it has started to stutter from time to time during gear changing at the beginning into overdrive. What might be the cause or is it a reason to be concerned? Well, uh, we talked about transmissions um, the week before last and on those uh, automatic transmissions, you know, 
according to how long it's been since that flood's been changed, that transmission flood's been changed, and if there was any slipping going on, because that's, that's what it sounds like, it's slipping going into gear uh, to overdrive. That means that the transmission is not making a complete hookup that is slipping a little bit. So I would check the transmission fluid in that particular vehicle and make sure that it's okay and that it's not burnt. I would uh, smell it and see, make sure it don't smell like it's burnt. We're discussing drivability and taking your repair questions. You can send an email to auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. If bigger is better, you're really going to like the vehicle we have this week. It's the 2022 Toyota Tundra 1794 edition. And it really starts with bigger, bolder styling for 2022. Big chrome grille in the luxury package, LED headlamps, 20-inch wheels, and a bed with a power step that comes out automatically. Inside, also big. Big luxury with heated and ventilated seats in the front and the rear, automatic climate control, it's got a new 14-inch touchscreen, beautiful, looks like it came out of a Lexus, a 10-inch heads-up display, and all the safety systems you expect on a luxury car. Forward collision alert with auto brake, lane keep assist, lane tracing steering, rear cross-path detection. Under the hood, also big. A 3.5-liter twin-turbo V6, delivers 389 horsepower, and still pretty decent gas mileage. 17 in the city, 22 miles per gallon on the highway. Rides on air suspension system, you can rise up or change the behavior going down the road. So let's talk about price. Tundra starts just under $36,000. This one's got a big price, $66,395. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website at legalterms.mpbonline.org. This is AutoCorrect. Hey, if you've missed any of our program, no worries. You can listen to the whole show on our website, autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. 
I'm Liz Gill, but our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASE Certified Master Technician. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. You know, we talked about transmissions a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to talk about a standard transmission, how you leave a stop sign when you're driving a standard transmission and what you do there you take in uh, on the clutch you let it out slowly and you accelerate slowly if you let it out too fast you're going to the vehicle's going to die you put too much gas on it it's going to die so remove the clutch pedal slowly and accelerate slowly and to take off from a stop sign I love standard manual transmissions we unfortunately gave our car to our son that has that he loves it i just think it's a, uh, a not only a built-in anti-theft device it's it's fun yes. it's uh, a way to you know in you know different people what did you say before your car reflects your personality, personality yes. and i i first off i like saving a thousand dollars right off the sticker price yes for that standard transmission and i i like it just kind of gives me a uh sense of control and my family lives in the mountains of Arkansas so if you're driving from hot springs up to Russellville and you're driving or you're driving from Russellville up to uh, well not they changed the road not to Fayetteville but up to Harrison yes you can just take those switchbacks and it is fun it is fun I, I say it's too much work. I, so what does it say about me? I'm scared that you said that, but my I did learn my first car I drove and learned how to drive in was my dad's Toyota Tercel. And how many times did you kill that engine? Uh, a lot. And I, I think I told you guys I was in Vicksburg and going up hills and couldn't get up the hill, kept sliding back down. It was horrible, guys. I hate manual transmission cars. I am that person. Foot coordination. Maybe I don't have it. <laughs> well, and then it was it was magic. I got a, my first brand new car was, uh, I think my dad would live vicariously through me. <laughs> so my very first car was a 85 Subaru XT Coupe, okay. which was kind of a sports car, yes. and it was a manual, and it had a hill holder. So that, and then our, our what do we have, a Honda Civic also has a hill holder. That's the best invention oh, ever. That's right. It prevents you from rolling back when you're on an incline, an upward incline in a manual. And so. that wasn't on all cars. No, no. It wasn't on my, to- my Toyota Tercel. It wasn't on my <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I forgot. We've got calls. Uh, yes. <laughs> Let's go to Casiesco. TJ, thank you so much while I just kind of blather on. We're so glad you've called in to touch to Coach. What's your comment or question? Yeah, this is TJ. Yeah, TJ, we're glad you've called in. What's up? Yeah, I got an old-timer's comment, and the coach will probably appreciate this, but uh, with high gas prices and, you know, the, the way cars are today and and the, the way it used to be, everything happens because of one thing. The fuel companies, the oil companies, stopped making wolf gas. And I wonder if Coach remembers wolf gas. Nah, I don't think I remember wolf gas. Explain that one to me. That's when you get $2 wolf. <laughs> $2 wolf of gas, that's it. <laughs> hey, you could go a long ways on that, too. <laughs> yeah. 
That's when they pumped your gas for you. You drove up and say, "Give me a dollar seventy-five, Wolf." You know there is still a place in Jackson, Mississippi that pumps gas off Woodrow Wilson. There's a gas station yeah. that pumps gas for you, and that's the only one I've seen in all of the Mississippi lately. Awesome. There's, Thank. There's there's maybe still one in Carthage, Mississippi, on Highway 35. There ain't many of it. So hey, we're gonna get a hundred dollars <laughs> worth of gas now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you got a, a lot of money. That's right. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, TJ. Let's go to Gulfport and speak with Rebecca. Rebecca, we're glad you've called in. What's your comment or question? I got a question. I, my my mechanic and I are in a quandary. I've got a 214. A 2014 Honda Odyssey Elite, and about a month ago, it told me to tighten my gas cap, put a brand-new gas cap on it. Next thing I know, it's saying check the emission system. They have pressure-tested this thing four times. They've smoke-tested it. We've replaced the purge valve. We've replaced the vent. It's still coming up telling me to check the emission system. And I'm wondering if the sensor is faulty and which sensor it might be. You know, on those uh, emission systems, they do have a vent uh, sensor on there, and that vent sensor is opens up when you're putting gas in the vehicle, so you can put gas in the gas tank, because if the vent is closed, the air can't get out while you're putting fuel in there, and you can only put a little fuel in there at a time. So there is a vent sensor on there that could be stuck, making it say that you have a gross uh, event leak. That's what I would check. I'll tell them. Okay, thank you. Another happy customer. Hey, we just got an email. Let me read it to you, Coach. Hi, my name is Harry. I have a 2008 Ford Edge that has a water pump leak. The vehicle cranks and runs fine, but radiator fill tank leaks down. It has 297,000 miles. My question is how to know if water pump is worth fixing. I hear it's pretty labor-intensive, so I guess it will be costly. Well, you know, the water pumps are on the front of that vehicle. If it's not behind the timing belt, it's not going to cost too much. But if it is behind the timing belt, it may cost about $400 to replace that water pump. And while you're in there, you'd go ahead and replace the timing belt as well because that's what they do now. But if if the vehicle's still driving well with 200 and some odd thousand miles on it and you want to take and put $400 in it for a water pump, I would just keep doing it and put that water pump in there and keep on going all right there there you go uh renard that's your email let's do this other email i have a 05 toyota tacoma with just over 99,000 miles lately it has begun to have a cricket noise usually when i accelerate 60 miles per hour or more the noise stops when i take my foot off the accelerator could this be a belt that needs to be replaced? It's probably not going to be a belt that needs to be replaced. It's probably going to be a pulley. It could be the idler pulley or uh, the tensioner pulley that needs to be replaced because those usually just sound like a cricket. And more you accelerate, it gets a little louder. Then take your foot off, it uh, slows down. It's not as loud. But most likely it's going to be a bearing in one of those tensioners or the idler pulley. And then the last thing I would look at on there would be the alternator itself because it has bearings in the front as well, and those will make that uh, cricket noise. And we have about one minute left, and 
oh my gosh, Michelle, the takeaway for this is never tell the mechanic what to do to your vehicle. That's right. Like, just show up, right, and tell them them, what it's doing. Give them the symptoms that you got because you drive your vehicle every day. You know it. That technician does not know exactly what you're hearing. Uh, sometimes you may go on a road test with mm-hmm. them so you could hear it, so they could hear that noise. Mm-hmm. You could say, hey, that's what I hear. Okay, and that leads them in a direction. But if you say, well, I think my front brakes need replaced, well, guess what? They're going to change your front brakes. Now, is it safe to say you can record? I think a while ago we talked about this, recording the noise maybe? You could, just so they could hear it. Mm -hmm. You know, anything that you can give the technician, any way you can lead him and what's wrong with the vehicle. Because, you know, we're just human. It's just like anything else. Uh, I always think about it, put it as a doctor. A doctor practices. They have a practice. Well, sometimes technicians have a practice because you always don't hit it uh, right on the head all the time. Right. And you could bias them because if you tell them you think it's X, well, they're just going to look for X and they're going to be thinking about X when it could be M. Well, once again, keep it simple, stupid. Look for the easiest thing. And that's what a technician needs to do. I've been doing it for about 40 years. And sometimes when somebody tells me something, I start looking for the hardest thing because they've already said they did this and they did that. Let me start from the beginning and we'll figure it out. Oh, this is going to wrap it up for today's AutoCorrect. Our call screener has been Jay White, who was a font of information. Michelle Mackin, who's almost like the co-host, because we could just talk to Coach Charlie all day long. Thanks, Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician. I'm Liz Gill. And thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.